0: one of you has a little piece of paper with him for today's sermon. Um, That's for you to take notes and to follow the sermon. As well, if you don't have anything with you, just please raise your hand so we can get some for you. From the very first day that I was saved. My poor wife had to stand in for the congregation that I was going to preach to one day, and she became that congregation. And I preached her to death. <laughs> and at that time, I, I was not even sure what I was preaching was correct, but I just wanted to preach. I would read a verse and just preach it. Just whatever comes to my mind, I'll just preach it. Of course, years later, I realized some of the stuff I was saying, I wish, I'm just happy they were not recorded. But she bore the brunt of that calling that I believed God had placed in my heart from the very first day. That has led me as well to start a ministry online God's Word Undiluted ministry where I just preach my heart out. Unfortunately there, the, the, the messages, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call them sermons at the beginning, this, the messages that I put up there are still there. And once you put something online, it doesn't go away. It doesn't matter what you do. Someone has already shared it and it's gone. And this is something that I've always wanted to do until two weeks ago when Pastor Carl said, it's time. (laughs) And then I realized it, it took me back to the day when my wife said, okay, we can go out on a date. It had the same impact of I've been looking forward to this, now it's here. Now what? And to put the icing on the cake, we've got Pasta Metier. Now there's two pastors that are going to listen to my very first sermon. The last time I felt like this was when I was writing exams when I was at Vets. None of them were oral. They were all written exams, so I've not been prepared for an oral exam, by not one pastor, two. So pray for me. Let us pray. Father, may this word of yours be found in the hearts of those that have already been prepared by you to receive it may they all see you not me may they all hear you and not me and may your word convict hearts that needs to be convicted and may your word comfort hearts that needs to be comforted and father also i pray that you give me the courage to preach in front of my mentor my pastor and pastor matt give me the wisdom and the strength to be able to soldier on and ensure that your word at the end is preached. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It is truly an honor and a privilege to be standing here today to preach God's word to you. I want to take this opportunity to thank Pastor Carl for this opportunity. Would you all please turn your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, Verse 23, I have titled this sermon, It is not about you. It is not about you. The sermon is about Christians, in inverted commas, Christians who have deceived or have deceived themselves, who have been deceived or have deceived themselves into thinking that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is about fulfilling their earthly desires. These Christians have either been convinced or they have convinced themselves that being a disciple of Jesus is a means, for example, to get married to a lovely husband or wife, to get a job, to be healed from sickness and diseases, to get rich, in fact, I remember one of my former high school mates telling me that he is no longer preaching a gospel of poverty. Therefore, the main proposition of this sermon is that being a follower of Jesus Christ is not about fulfilling your earthly desires, but about what you are prepared to lose for him. In fact, Jesus speaks directly to this issue in Luke chapter 14, from verse 26 to 33. Let us quickly read through that. Luke chapter 14 from verse 26 to 33. In fact, I'll start at 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and this is Jesus, And if not, while the other is yet away off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus expects us to count the cost of becoming his disciple before we become one. Jesus expects us to read and understand the terms and conditions of becoming his disciple before we become one. Contrary to the prevailing perception of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, Jesus makes it clear that there is a cost to anyone who has the desire to become his disciple. This statement should shock a lot of people. The shock is because... As I have already indicated, people have been made to believe that being a disciple of Jesus is about what you can get from Jesus and not about what you can lose. I will show using Luke chapter 9, verse 23 that there is a huge cost to be paid by becoming a disciple of Jesus. Anyone else who thinks that it is about health, wealth, and prosperity has completely misunderstood what Jesus was here to do and what it means to be his disciple. Again, the main proposition of the sermon is that being a follower of Jesus Christ is not about fulfilling your earthly desires, but what you are prepared to lose for him. Both Luke and Acts were written to Theophilus. We see this in Luke chapter 1 verse 3 and we see this in Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Scholars say that Luke and Acts were meant to be a single work in two parts. Both Luke and Acts, or Luke Acts, as I will call it in this sermon, were written by the same author, Luke. Luke X was probably written somewhere between AD 60 to 96, and the place of writing was Rome. What happened of significance during AD 60 and 96 was it is traditionally believed that Paul, the Apostle Paul, was killed under Nero between A.D. 66 and 68. And Nero's persecution of Christians took place in A.D. 64. Nero, the emperor of Rome at the time, started a fire in Rome and blamed it on Christians. The following is some of how Christians were being persecuted. The following statement is rated 16, and maybe, you remember that part? This is very gruesome. They were covered with wild beast skins, and torn to death by dogs. Or they were fastened on crosses, and when daylight failed, were banned to serve as lamps by night. Therefore, when Luke Luke was writing Luke Acts, this was not the best time for Christians. How the early Christians viewed being a Christian during this time was completely different to how Christianity is portrayed today. The event described in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 comes after Jesus had done quite a number of miracles. These miracles of Jesus caused even Herod to be perplexed or puzzled by what was happening. And we see this in Luke chapter 9, verse 7. Having done all these miracles, Jesus asked the disciples who the people thought he was. Clearly, the people had noticed these miracles to the point that some were convinced that Jesus was John the Baptist, Others said it was Elijah. Others, one of the prophets who had risen from the dead. And we see this in Luke chapter 9 from verse 18 to 19. Jesus then asked the disciples who they thought he was. Peter, on behalf of the disciples, confessed Jesus as Christ, as the Messiah. And we see this in Luke chapter 9 verse 20 then jesus said this in luke chapter 9 from verse 21 to 22 immediately after peter confirmed him as, as the christ as the messiah and it reads and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one in other words to tell no one that that is the messiah saying the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed on the third day, be raised. And in Matthew chapter 16 from verse 22 to 23, shows us, which is the parallel passage to this, shows us that Peter was not happy with the news that Jesus was going to suffer and die. And so did the rest of the disciples. They just confirmed him as the Messiah. They just confirmed him as the Christ. And the very thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth is, I'm going to die. Peter couldn't take it. None of them could take it. Peter was the bold one who came forward. This was not the picture they had of Christ. They had a wrong view of who the Christ is and what he was here to do. And Matthew reads as follows. And Peter took him aside, took Jesus aside, and began to rebuke him. Now this is Peter now rebuking Jesus. Very bold of Peter. And began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned aside and said to Peter, Get behind me Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now that the disciples knew that Jesus was Christ, the thought of him dying was simply not understandable and acceptable. How can the Christ die? The Christ is supposed to come and defeat Israel's enemies and reign as king forever. The Christ was supposed to come for their earthly benefits. This explains Peter's reaction of rebuking Jesus and Jesus' counter rebuking him as a hindrance. Jesus rebuked Peter and told him that by having this wrong mindset about the Christ, he is not setting his mind on the things of God but on the things of man. As if Jesus dying was not disturbing enough, Jesus tells them that not only is he going to die, but whoever has the desire to become his disciple must equally be prepared to die. This must have not only disturbed them, but it must have been so surprising that they began to doubt if Jesus was indeed the Christ. You are the Messiah. I am going to die. You must die you can't be the messiah in this confusion god steps in and gives a final confirmation that indeed jesus is the son of god and they must listen to him we see this during the transfiguration in luke chapter 9 verse 27 to 36 which follows about eight days later just after peter had confessed Jesus as Christ and Jesus had told them that he was going to die. The disciples have come to believe that indeed Jesus is the Christ that was promised in the Old Testament. They are now convinced that Israel's enemies will be destroyed and Jesus will reign as their king forever. While in this state of self-deception about who Jesus was and came to do, Jesus burst their bubble by telling them that he's going to die a rude awakening fell on them to a point where Peter tries to prevent Jesus' death. And Jesus rebukes him as one who is not setting his mind on the things of God. You would remember that even on the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter was still trying to do this. Took out his sword and cut off the ear. He was prepared to fight. He was ready to fight. He was ready to stand against the will of God in his ignorance. God, in their amazement, Jesus goes further by telling them that not only is he going to die, but whoever desires to be his disciple must equally be prepared to die. God confirms Jesus' message to them during the transfiguration, and God confirms that Jesus indeed is the Christ and they must listen to him. If you are not there, turn again with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And again, the main proposition of this sermon is that being a follower of Jesus Christ is not about fulfilling your earthly desires, but about what you are prepared to lose for him. This event surrounding our passage in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, is also described in Matthew 16:21 to 28 and in Mark 18, 31 to chapter 9 verse 1. At this stage of Luke nine twenty-three, Jesus has already started his ministry. During this time, Jesus is teaching his disciples in Caesarea Philippi. Peter has just confirmed Jesus as Christ on behalf of the disciples. After this, after this Jesus predicted the death for the first time, which brings us to our passage. In our passage, Jesus expects his disciples or those who have a desire to become his disciple, to likewise be prepared to suffer daily, even to the point of death. I have divided this message into three main points. These points highlight conditions that must be met for one to become a disciple of Jesus. These three points are, one, to follow Jesus, you must have the desire. To follow Jesus, you must have the right attitude. To follow Jesus, you must obey him. Let us look at the first point. To follow Jesus, you must have the desire. Look with me at the beginning of Luke 9, verse 23. It reads, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me. Let us stop there for now. We see first of all that Jesus was not speaking to some of the Jews that were there at the time, but he was speaking to all of them. The grammar of the verb said indicates that Jesus was continuously saying this. This is not something that was said once off. The New American Standard Bible translates this verb as he was saying. Therefore, Jesus kept on saying to all people that if anyone would come after him, meaning if anyone has the desire to follow him or to be his disciple, jesus was addressing all people that were there at the time without exception but among them he was specifically speaking to those who had met the first condition which was that they had the desire to follow him the grammar indicates that jesus was talking about these those who had a genuine desire to follow him therefore the first condition that must be met To become Jesus' disciple is that you must have a genuine desire to become his disciple. The question to you right now is, as we sit here, do you have the desire to follow Jesus? Do you have the desire to become Jesus' disciple? If you do have a genuine desire to follow Jesus, then the following three imperatives or commands are directed at you. Deny yourself. Take up your own cross daily. Be obedient. I will go through each of these in detail. Let us look at the second point. To follow Jesus, you must have the right attitude. When I talk about attitude, I am referring to the way one looks at things. I am talking about one's point of view, one's way of thinking, one's perspective. Therefore, to follow Jesus the way one thinks of him or one's point of view regarding him must be the right one that is a biblical one. I have divided this specific point into two sub-points. The first is what following Jesus is not about. And the second is what following Jesus is about. Let us look at the first one. Following Jesus and those that have that page start filling in. Following Jesus is not about you. Read with me the second part of Luke 9.23. It reads, let him deny himself. Jesus here gave the second condition that must be met if anyone had a genuine desire to become his follower or disciple. Jesus told those who had the desire to become his follower or disciple that the second thing that they must do was to deny themselves. The first attitude that they must have once they have a genuine desire to become Jesus' disciple, it was that they must know that being a disciple of Jesus was not about them. That is, they must deny themselves. What does this mean? Well, The word deny in this form is also used in the Septuagint that is in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. In the Septuagint the word is used in Genesis 18 verse 15 where Sarah denied that she laughed because she was afraid. Also used in Titus chapter 2 verse 12 where Paul tells Titus that the grace of God has taught us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. The word means, therefore, deny, the word means to refuse something or someone, to restrain especially from indulging in some pleasure. What Jesus therefore meant was that self-interest, self-seeking, self-saving, selfishness, and self-centeredness, or being wrapped up in oneself, must be excluded, left out, kept out, and be rejected, in a life of one who had a genuine desire to become Jesus' disciple. This must have come as a complete surprise to those who were listening, including the disciples. They had a misconception about the crest, who the Christ was and what he was in the world to do. As I indicated earlier, according to them, Christ was supposed to come and defeat Israel's enemies and reign as king forever. With the miracles that Jesus had already done, they were already seeing a nation ruled by a crest as if it had happened already. A nation which had no sickness and disease, no disabled people, and a nation that has an abundant supply of food. These are some of the miracles that he did. So as king, they expected all of this. No diseases, no sicknesses. No disabled people. No having to work so hard because they had to work hard for food then. Jesus will just multiply food and give it to them. This is what they had in mind. When Jesus then turned around and told them that he's going to suffer and die and they must deny themselves, that did not fit with what they had in mind. Jesus was saying to them that becoming his follower or disciple means forgetting about your own interest and replacing them with God's interest. Leave behind your own will and replace it with God's will. Stop thinking about your own desires and replace them with God's desires. Becoming a follower or disciple of Christ in summary means no longer living for yourself but for Christ. When Jesus says his disciples must die themselves, that goes totally and completely against what false pastors and false bishops, false prophets, false apostles in our country today are telling us about coming to Jesus. These people tell us that we must come to Jesus if you want deliverance, healing, and health, and prosperity. In other words, come to Jesus and Jesus will fulfill your earthly desires and interests. Jesus, on the other hand, says, forget about your earthly desires and interests if you want to follow me or to become my disciple. See the contrast. Becoming a follower of disciple of Christ, therefore, means to no longer live for yourself, but for Christ. So what these false pastors, false bishops, false prophets, and false apostles in our country today are telling us about coming to Jesus is completely against what Jesus is telling us. It is therefore clear that the Jesus that these people are talking about is not the same Jesus of the Bible. It is a false Jesus, just like them. So if you truly have the desire to follow Jesus, don't be deceived by these people into thinking that it is about you. It is not about you, it's about Jesus. If you today listening to me also thought that coming to Jesus means the fulfillment of your desires, then repent and begin to realize that coming to Jesus will cost you everything, including your life. You might currently have, as we speak, marital problems in your life, financial problems, health problems, family problems. One thing that you need to know today is that becoming a disciple of Jesus is not a solution to your earthly problems. If anything, your problems might increase even more. Looking at Philippians chapter 1 verse 29, it reads, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe, but also suffer for his sake. So the gift of faith that was given to you did not come alone. It had with it the gift of suffering. Look at the contrast. Let's look at the next point. Following Jesus is about him. Read with me the third part of Luke 9, verse 23, and it reads, and take up his cross daily. Jesus has already told the Jews that were listening to him at this point that to become his disciple one must have a genuine desire, one must have the right attitude. The first attitude that they must have is that they must know that being a disciple of Jesus is not about them, that is they must deny themselves. The second attitude that they must have is that they must know that becoming a disciple of Jesus is about Jesus. They must be prepared to take up their cross daily for Jesus. If it comes to that, and this is the second condition. What does taking up the cross mean? It was the most painful and degrading form of capital punishment in the ancient world. It brought shame to the one executed, and they were treated and paraded as criminals. The Greeks and Romans at first reserved the punishment only for slaves, saying it was too barbaric for free-born or citizens. So the very same people that were very good at this, they were saying, Crucifying someone is too barbaric for their own people. By the first century, however, it was used for any enemy of the state. Those citizens could only be crucified by a direct edict of Caesar. As time went on, the Romans began to use crucifixion more and more as a deterrent to criminal activity so that by Jesus' time, it was a common sight. Please take note that it was a common sight. For example, as a South African, if I made the word, if I just said the word, "toy toy," the first thing that's going to come to your mind is, people outside, placards, rubber bullets, police, and all of those. This is what comes to your mind. Because you associate that word, toy-toy, with those activities. Jesus here is saying, take up your cross daily. This is what came to their mind. A person being scorched, being beaten, being dragged through the streets, the place. In fact, it is possible that even at the time that Jesus was speaking this, someone was hanging there or being crucified there. A person who was crucified was scorched or whipped with a whip consisting of thorns with pieces of metal or bone attached to the end so that when it hits you, it does a very good job. The person was then forced to carry their own cross across town to their place of execution with a tablet. Now, if I say tablet with my thinking iPad. No. A tablet like an inscription, like a tag. In our modern day would call it a tag. With a tag around their neck detailing their crime. So if this person was a thief, they will say, Here is the thief or if this person was a rapist, he is a rapist. And the site, the prisoner was and at the site, the prisoner was often tied, which was the normal method, or nailed if a quicker death was desired to the crossbeam Now think about it this way. If they tie you, that's the normal one. If they nail you, they want you to die quicker. That's how bad this whole thing is. Nelly knew was messy. Just think about it that way. The beam with the body was then lifted and tied to the already affixed upright pole. Finally, the feet were tied or nailed to the post. Such death were usually done in public places. Therefore, For Jesus to say that if one desires to follow him, one must take up their cross daily would have brought such a horrific picture to the minds of the hearers and scared to death those who had this desire. The Jews of Jesus' time knew the horror of being crucified. They saw people being crucified daily. This statement by Jesus would have indicated the seriousness of being a disciple of Jesus. It would have indicated your very life was at stake on a daily basis if you were a disciple. It indicated that you could possibly face the most painful and degrading form of capital punishment in the ancient world. This means that those who truly had the desire would have gone through with it. This was a failed mean If you had uh, an ample desire to follow Jesus, this was saying, that's it. Okay, you guys can go. Only those with genuine desire to follow Jesus Christ would have continued with this. Those with false desires would have simply walked away. What Jesus was saying was that if they wanted to follow, or become his disciples, then they must not only forget about their needs, desires, and interests, and replace them with Jesus' will and desires, but they must also be prepared to suffer, even to the point of the most horrible and feared form of death at the time, on a daily basis, for his sake, and just like he was going to do. It means if they had the desire to be his follower or disciple, they needed to be prepared on a daily basis to imitate him in his suffering and possibly, if it comes to that, in his death as well. As far as we know, all the apostles suffered for Jesus and were killed except John, who also suffered. Tradition says that he was put in boiling oil And in fact, they thought he was dead. Some say he was dead and he was raised up, but there's no confirmation of that. And then he was eventually sent to Patmos and died of old age. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. Thank God for that. Now I'm sure that you can see that what these false pastors, false bishops, false prophets, false apostles in our country today are telling us about Coming to Jesus is completely contradictory to the truth. Being a follower or disciple of Jesus means being prepared to suffer daily and even to the point of death. It does not mean fulfilling your earthly desires to be rich, married, healthy, or whatever. It is all about Jesus and being prepared to suffer and die for his sake on a daily basis. Even today, true Christians are still being persecuted. Because you might think, oh, this has happened then. This was Nero. Nero had a problem. And, you know, Christianity was still young. And people didn't understand it. That is why people were being killed. Nope. It is happening even today. It is only by God's grace that we, in South Africa, are not yet persecuted but in other countries it is a daily occurrence the following article comes from open doors website you can find it at www.opendoorusa.org under christian persecution and it reads and i quote christians remain one of the most persecuted religious groups in the world While Christian persecution takes many forms, it is defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Christ. Christian torture remains an issue for believers throughout the world, including the risk of imprisonment, loss of home and assets. And this one happens especially in India currently. Physical torture. Beheadings, you think of ISIS when they came into Iran, rape and even death as a result of their faith. Trends show that countries in Africa, Asia and the Middle East are intensifying persecution against Christians. And perhaps the most vulnerable are Christian women who often face double persecution for faith and gender. Every day we receive new reports of Christians who face threats, unjust imprisonment, harassment, beatings, and even loss of family because of their faith in Jesus. Listen to these tests. this should wake you up if you were dozing off. Every month, on average, 345 Christians are killed for faith-related reasons. Now divide that by 30. That's per day. 105 churches and Christians' buildings are banned or attacked. 219 Christians are detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. Close quote. This is happening now, today, as we speak. And we are being told, come to Jesus, if you want deliverance, health, prosperity, tell it to these people. Denying yourself today might even include refusing to obey an instruction at work that is contrary to God's word, even if it means losing your job. I know that we can't even say Merry Christmas anymore at work. We can't say that. It's not allowed. Because we will offend unbelievers. Refusing to take part in family rituals that contradicts god's word even if it means being rejected by your own family refusing to take part in activities done by your friends even if it means being rejected by your friends and this goes to young guys my son standing there all the young people the pressure that everyone else tells you at school it is cool to do drugs it is cool to disobey teachers it is cool to bank classes, and if you don't do that, you get sidelined and you don't have friends anymore. This is what it will cost you to become a Christian. Refusing to celebrate homosexuality even if it means being arrested or your business being closed down, and this is happening in Canada and in America and in the UK. On a daily basis, Christian businesses, especially those that are baking cakes, are being targeted by homosexuals who say to them, bake a cake for me and my boyfriend. And if you don't, they get sued, they can't afford, they close down. We are told, come to Jesus if you want health, wealth, and prosperity. Tell it to these people in Canada. What these false pastors, false bishops, false prophets, false apostles in our country today are telling us about coming to Jesus is a lie. And you need to reject it and come to the true Jesus. The true Jesus who demands that you no longer live for yourself but for him. If you have the desire today to follow or become a disciple of Jesus, the question you need to answer for yourself is, are you prepared on a daily basis to suffer even if it means dying for Jesus' sake? Are you willing to forget about your interests and desires and replace those with the desires and the will of Jesus? If your answer is no, then you cannot. Luke 14, verse 27 says, If you are not willing to take up the cross, you cannot be Jesus' disciple. While Matthew 10, 38 says, You are not worthy of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul confirms, as Jesus' apostle, that he indeed dies every day, meaning that he suffers daily. Therefore, the attitude that you must have if you have a genuine desire to follow Jesus is that you must know that it is not about you, but about Jesus. Let us look at the third and last point. To follow Jesus, you must obey him. Read with me the last part of Luke nine twenty-three, and it reads, And follow me. The third and last condition that must be met for one who has the desire to follow or become a disciple of Jesus is that one must follow him. This word translated, as follow, means to accept and follow the leadership or command or guidance of. It means to be obedient. The grammar indicates that it is a continuous obedience. This illustration will help us understand what true obedience is. Hiro Onoda was a lieutenant in the Japanese Army Station on the Philippine island of Lubang during World War II. When his commander left the island, he ordered Onoda to stay and fight. It might take three years, it might take five, but whatever happens will come back for you. He said to Onoda, Onoda, faithfully carried out those orders for the next 29 years. After the war, the Japanese government dropped leaflets to persuade him to come out of hiding, but he dismissed them as allied propaganda. He was even declared dead in 1959. In 1974, he encountered Norio Suzuki, a Japanese student who had gone in search of an order. Suzuki could not convince Onoda, who insisted he was still awaiting orders to come out of hiding. Suzuki left, but soon returned with a delegation that included Onoda's brother and his former commander, who formally relieved um, 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 uh, relieved the emaciated soldier of duty. That is the commitment of a Christian disciple. Continuing to keep our pledge to the Lord until he comes to relieve us of duty. The difference is that we will know right away when that happens. Jesus is obviously more important than this commander and therefore demands even more obedience. The question you are faced with now If you have a genuine desire to follow Jesus, it is that, are you prepared to obey Jesus? Even if it means forgetting about your needs and desires? Are you prepared to obey Jesus even if it means suffering on a daily basis even to the point of death? Are you willing to obey Jesus even if it costs you everything? Are you willing to forsake your family, your loved ones, your traditions that contradict the Bible? Are you willing to stop sacrificing to your ancestors if Jesus commands you to? Are you willing to reject homosexuality and sexual immorality in general if Jesus commands you to? Are you willing to reject abortion if Jesus commands you to? Are you willing to obey him no matter what he commands? If the answer is no, then you cannot become Jesus' disciple or follower. It might be your greatest need to see unity within your family, or unity between your family and your extended families. This desire might need to take a backseat if it means disobeying Jesus Christ. There are Christians, as we speak, in India, Nigeria, that are facing death, and all they have to do to avoid death is denounce Jesus. You would remember ISIS. They would line people up and say denounce Jesus or die. It's very simple. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I denounce you. And you live happily ever after. But those Christians chose to die. Jesus himself could have said, Eh, um, no. You know, maybe we should talk about another plan. I think on the course, it's not a, no, he went through. He went through. Paul, when he was stoned in Antioch, could have said, uh-uh. I was the one stoning. Now I'm being stoned. Jesus, sorry, our agreement is null and void. Nope, he didn't. None of the apostles said no. Peter, the coward, you remember him? Who denied Jesus three times, was crucified upside down A to tradition for Jesus. There are businesses in the West, and I mean in Europe, and the Americas. Australia, that had to close down because they simply could not disobey Jesus and support homosexuality. There's a rugby player in Australia, although I'm not sure of the contents of their faith, but there's a rugby player in Australia that was willing and has lost a lot of money. We're talking, I think, if I remember, 4 million US dollars. For his faith in Jesus. Because he lost his contract. All he did was tweet 1 Corinthians 6.9. That's all he did. Since when is that a crime? He took a verse and placed it on Twitter. Kicked out of the rugby squad for Australia. In the World Cup year. In September is the World Cup. Not only that, he lost all his money. He lost his place in his own team and the rest of his team turned their back on him and I said he deserved it. Personally, I am under a lot of pressure from all sides of my family relating to ancestors and ancestral worship. I remember when I was laying in the hospital for a very long time, my children will remember that people were calling me selfish for not going to a sangoma to get help. They would say, you used to do this. What is wrong with you? You want to leave your children while they are still young. You are selfish. All you have to do is to go to a sangoma and you will be fine. And yes, I used to do that. But I couldn't now. You might be facing real situations in your life today that makes you choose between Jesus and the world. I urge you to prioritize Jesus above all. And thank God for the word conclusion. In conclusion, we have discussed three conditions that must be met by anyone who has a desire to follow or become a disciple of Jesus. We have seen that one must have the desire That's the first condition. Secondly, one must have the right attitude. That is, one must deny themselves and they must take up their course on a daily basis. And lastly, they must follow Jesus. Now I'm sure you can see that what these false pastors, false bishops, false prophets and false apostles in our country today are telling us about coming to Jesus is completely contradictory to the truth. Being a follower or disciple of Jesus means being prepared to suffer daily and even to the point of death. It does not mean fulfilling your earthly desires to be rich, married, healthy. Although these are not in and of themselves wrong to have or to want, the point is to prioritize Jesus above all. These things cannot be more important than Jesus Christ. May God open all our hearts to his word of truth. Amen. Thank you for being such a wonderful audience. I await the results for my two examiners.